Welcome to the Sunny Hill Podcast. This message was recorded at our Ferndown campus. For more information about service times and locations, please visit sunnyhill.church. How are we doing? Great to see you. As Dom said, my name is Phil. I'm one of the leaders here uh, at Sunny Hill. And occasionally I have the great joy and the great privilege and the opportunity just to open up the Bible and just talk about Jesus. That's what I love to do, you know. I love to just open the Bible and talk about Jesus. I, I just believe that I just believe that there is nothing greater in all of creation than looking at Jesus. I believe there's nothing that has the power to captivate your heart more than Christ. I really do believe that. And I've experienced it in small measure, in small measure. And it's my desire that as we walk into 2019 together, that we would, you know that song we were just singing, Show Us Your Glory. This, that line really caught me where it says, in wonder and surrender we fall down. I just thought, what a great, what a great line that just captures what it really means to be a Jesus lover. We're people that are captivated by the beauty of Christ, right? We're captivated. We love looking at him. We love getting to know him. We love learning from him. We love gazing. You know, David said in Psalm 27, one thing I ask, this is what I see, that I may dwell in the house of my God all the days of my life, that I may gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple and and what it means to follow Jesus is we're people that are captivated by his beauty. I mean, we just love to get to know him. We love to, to, to see him more clearly. It stirs our wonder. But at the very same time, as Jesus follows, we're people who bow down in surrender. On the one hand, we're captivated with wonder. But on the other hand, we're bowed down in surrender. Because this one who's captivated us is none other than the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And he deserves our worship, our allegiance, and our obedience. And so I'll just pray that as we walk into 2019 together, we would be people who are marked increasingly by wonder and surrender, right? And not just in our individual lives, but in our corporate times together as well. That every time we gather, there would be this sense of wonder as we're captivated by the glory and the beauty of Christ. But at the very same time, just a willingness and a glad-hearted surrender to his lordship. And we're people that are ready to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Whatever you say and whatever you ask. And so that's my prayers. We were just singing that song. I was captured by that line. And uh, I'm going to use it as a way to pray for my own heart and my own life in the new year. And uh, perhaps we can use it as a way to pray for our lives as a, as a corporate body together. How was Christmas? Enjoy yourself? Yeah, fantastic. Anyone feeling sort of the, you know, the downturn after Christmas? Anyone feeling it? Maybe, do, do you know what? I'll let you into a secret. This year I'm actually quite relieved, right? This year I'm quite relieved that Christmas is over. Usually I'm a little bit bummed out. It's like, oh, because I love Christmas. But this year, man, it's hard this year, man. I won't say too much more. So I'm quite relieved. Here's the thing. We're heading into a new year. 
And a new year is generally the time where we like to take stock, right? I don't know why we choose to do it at the end of a year. I guess it's a natural break, a natural new leaf, if you like. But we should be taking stock regularly throughout the year. But we like to take stock at the end of a new year. We like to look back at what we've done and where we've been and review and evaluate and think about. But at the same time, we like to look forward, right, at the start of a new year and think about where we're heading. We look back at where we've been and we plan where we're heading. We look back at who we've been in the previous year and we think about who we want to be in the coming year. And for the Christian, looking back and looking forward is really quite simple. And I think it it really boils down just to two very simple questions. When it comes to reviewing Back and planning forward, there's two questions really that the Christian should be concerned with. And I'm assuming most of us in this room are Christians. If you're not, you are so welcome here. And if anything I say this morning is confusing to you or you don't understand it or you'd like to know more, just grab me after the service. I'd love to chat things through with you further. But for the Christian, looking back and looking forward is really simple. It's it's two questions. One is, as I look back over the previous year, how Christ-like was I? How did my life reflect and display the beauty and the grace and the compassion and the goodness and the love of Jesus, right? That's how we review as Christians. And looking forward, the question we ask is, how can I be more Christ-like in the coming year, right? How in the coming year can my life better reflect and display the beauty and the glory and compassion, grace and the love of Jesus? Christ-likeness for the Christian is always the goal. It's always the goal. Whatever year you put yourself in, whatever moment you take to take stock and plan forward, the the goal for the Christian is always Christ-likeness. And so at the end of a year, it's quite simple for the Christian. We look back and we ask how Christ-like was I. We look forward and we ask how can I be more Christ-like. I say it's quite simple and I guess on one level it is, but on another level it's not actually that simple because... How many of you know that being Christ-like is not easy? All of your hands should go up there. And if they don't, I'd love to come and talk to you, right? (laughs) After, and you can tell me your secret, but being Christ-like is not easy. There are a thousand things that are going to work against you becoming more like Christ in 2019, right? It's not easy, it's a battle, it's hard work. There are things that are against you in this. And truthfully, there are even times when it's difficult to really discern what Christ-likeness actually looks like and what it means. In the new year, you're going to have lots of decisions to make. You're going to have lots of challenges to negotiate and battles to fight. You're going to have battles to fight in the new year, church. I don't want to put a downer on this, but you are. And oftentimes, in those moments, it's, it's really difficult to know what it actually means and looks like to be Christ-like. And so although the question is easy, how Christ-like was I and how, more, how can I be more Christ-like, although the question is easy, the reality is actually a lot more complex. And so what we'd like to do with you over the month of January and perhaps into February as well, is we'd like to talk about what Christ-likeness actually looks like in day-to-day life. And so beginning next week and for four or five weeks, Pastor Dom over at 
Magna and Adam and some of the other guys here at Ferndown. By the way, there's church at Ferndown every week in the new year. Right? So Pastor Dom over at Magna and Adam and some of the other team from Ferndown over here um, are going to take some time each week just to look at some of the most significant areas of day-to-day life. Things like relationships, parenting, marriage, finances, work life, all of those sorts of things. And just begin to consider with us what it looks like to be Christ-like in all of those areas and how we can be more Christ-like in the new year. It's going to be great. We're going to learn a lot and we're going to grow a lot. I hope you're excited about it. And we decided to call that series Smashing It, right? Smashing It. Smashing It is a fairly new term. Anyone know what it means? Right? Anyone know what it means? Not many of you. It's because you're all old as the hills, right? Smashing it is this term that sort of seeped its way into youth culture. And what smashing it means, it just means you're really good at something. Or you're doing something really well, right? And so you could ask me, Phil, how are you doing in your fitness regime? How are you doing at, you know, creating just this perfect elite physique, right? And my response to you would be, smashing it, right? (laughs) Smashing it. Smashing it, right? You could say, Phil, how are you doing that? You know, just being so neat and tidy every week and having the greatest haircuts and, you know, just having the greatest clothes and being just on the pulse of the fashion world. You could say, how, how's it going there, Phil? And I'd say to you, man, smashing it. Smashing it. Doing really well. Excelling in something. We had just a perfect example of smashing it this morning with our young drummer over there, right? Yeah? What? Micah, 10 years old, man. 10 years old. Smashing it. Smashing it. Like smashing it. Like smashing it. Mate, if that was me up there this morning, I would have got them drums and just started kicking them off the stage. I would have got, if that was me, smashing it, right? What a gift. Seriously, what a gift. What a gift to him of being able to play the drums that well, but what a gift to us, seriously, to have just a young man praising God through his gift on the stage. Just beautiful, wonderful. Thank you, Mark. I'm smashing it, mate. Smashing it. So we want to help you smash it in your walk with Christ over the next few weeks. And Dom and Magna and Adam and the guys over here are going to walk us through some significant areas of our life. But what I'd like to do this morning is just to kind of lay a bit of a foundation for this idea of smashing it, right? This idea of smashing it. Because in the new year, what I'd like for us all to experience is an increase in Christ-likeness in our lives, right? I'd love for us all to come back this time next year and to be able to say that in our walk with Christ, in our pursuit of Christ-likeness throughout 2019, we smashed it. We smashed it. I'd love it if we could say that in a year's time. And so I want to lay a bit of a foundation for us this morning and I'm going to do it slightly differently. I'm going to just take 10 minutes now just to open the Bible with you and just try and inspire you to just really pursue smashing it next year, right? And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite my brother Richard, Pastor Richard up, and he's just going to help us. He's going to help us work out how we can begin to smash it. So my job is to inspire and Richard's job in 10 minutes or so will be to help. Smashing it. Smashing it. So what I'd love you to do 
is I'd love you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. And here's why I'd like you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, because I believe that if you really do want to smash it next year in Christ-likeness, in your walk with Jesus, I believe there is one thing, one thing that you simply must put in place in your lives. One thing that you must establish in your lives. And that one thing is this, time with Jesus. Time with Jesus. And when I say time with Jesus, I don't mean time at church. And I don't mean time spent serving on a team at church. And I don't mean time spent telling others about Jesus. Those things are all super important, but they're not the same as time with Jesus. In fact, those things are all crucial to our growth in the faith, but I want to suggest to you this morning that they're not as important as time with Jesus. And the reason I say this is because I think Jesus teaches us this quite clearly in Luke chapter 10. So go there in your Bibles. It's a fairly well-known story, just five verses this morning that describe an encounter Jesus had with two sisters. Jesus went for a meal at the house of two sisters. They were called Martha and Mary. And we're going to read these five verses that describe this meal. And what's really important to pay close attention to is the different ways that each of these sisters engages with and relates to Jesus. That's what we need to pay attention to as we read. So, Luke 10, beginning at verse 38, it's on the screen if you haven't got a Bible. It says this, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. I'm sure you're familiar with that story. Jesus is in the house of these two sisters and they both relate and engage with him in completely different ways. Martha gets busy doing things for Jesus. I've got to get a house ready. You know, I've got to get the meal ready. I've got to make sure everything's just so. Jesus is coming. I mean, Jesus, my Lord, the honoured guest, he's coming to my house. I've got to make sure everything's ready. So she's running around trying to sort out the house, trying to get everything ready. Martha gets busy doing things for Jesus. Mary, on the other hand, it says, just sits at the feet of Jesus and listens to his teaching. So while Martha got busy doing things for Jesus, Mary got busy spending time with Jesus. And what's really interesting and important to note about the two different ways these sisters engage with Jesus is that the difference between them is not that Martha was bad and Mary was good, right? Or that Martha was wrong and Mary was right. Martha and Mary were both really good women. Women of faith. 
who we should look up to and seek to emulate. They loved Jesus and wanted to serve him with their whole heart. And Jesus really loved them. And so the picture here is not that Martha was wrong and Mary was right or Martha was bad and Mary was good. The difference between Martha and Mary is that Martha had decided to get busy doing good things for Jesus, but Mary instead chose to do the best thing. The difference between Martha and Mary was that Martha chose what was good, but Mary chose what was best. And so the challenge I want to pull out of this passage just briefly this morning as we head into the new year is to say, can we in 2019 become people that increasingly learn how to choose what is best rather than just what is good? I want to suggest to you that the key to really significant fruitfulness in your life in 2019 is not knowing the difference between right and wrong or good and bad. I think those things are quite easy to work out most of the time. I think the key to fruitfulness, the key to really smashing it in the new year is learning to discern between what is good and what is best. And that's difficult. And it takes discipline, it takes focus, and it takes a lot of Holy Spirit wisdom. Can we learn to begin to choose what is best rather than just settling for what is good. That's the key to fruitfulness in your life in the new year. And that's what was happening here. Martha was doing good things for Jesus. Mary was doing the best thing with Jesus. Now I have no doubt that most of us in this room are, you know, Jesus lovers and Christ followers. Absolutely no doubt. Right, Just like Martha, I expect most of us in this room have really welcomed Jesus into the home of our hearts. Just like Martha, I expect most of us in this room really do want to serve Jesus and do our best for him. But as you reflect back over 2018, right, reflect back on your relationship with Jesus over that time. And I wonder who you are most like, Martha doing good things for Jesus or Mary enjoying being with Jesus. Who are you most like? I suspect that most of us are more like Martha than we are Mary. And I'm speaking about myself there. Get so preoccupied and so caught up with with doing good things for Jesus, actually failing to spend time with Jesus. Get so preoccupied with the good that I neglect the best, right? And so in 2019, the challenge is this. Can you begin to choose what is best? What is best? What is best? That doesn't mean you stop doing good. Of course not. But it does mean that you begin to make time and space in your life for doing what is best. Doing the one thing that is necessary, Jesus says, sitting at his feet, listening to his voice. And I want to suggest to you that if we spend all of our time in 2019 doing only good things for Jesus and not spending time with Jesus, I want to suggest that that could lead to an unhealthy place. Because look at the example of Martha. 
She's someone who got preoccupied with doing good things for Jesus. And look in these five verses at her emotional state of mind, right? She is frustrated. She is annoyed. She is irritable. And Jesus says to her, Martha, you are anxious and you're troubled about many things. That was her emotional state of mind. Irritated, frustrated, annoyed, anxious, troubled. Why? Because she'd spent all of her time focusing on doing good things for Jesus failed to actually spend time with Jesus. Now, I don't know what your goals or your plans are for the new year, but if I said this to you, in 2019, would you like to be less stressed, less anxious, less troubled, less irritable? How many of you would say yes? Yes, right? Of course. Jesus shows us what the key to that is in this passage. Choose what is best. Take time to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his voice throughout 2019. Don't get so caught up in doing the good stuff all the time. Consider what is best and begin to choose what is best. And perhaps if over 2018 you've been more like Martha than you have Mary, then I think Jesus' words to Martha are extended to you as well. And what I love about the way Jesus responds to Martha is he doesn't rebuke her. He really doesn't. He doesn't rebuke her. He just gently invites her to come and receive from him. He says, Martha, Martha, you're so anxious. You're so troubled. Come and do what Mary's doing. Come and sit at my feet. That's where the strength really is. That's where the life is. That's where the joy is. That's where the peace is. That's where the hope is. It's sat at the feet of Jesus, listening to his voice, receiving from him. So what I'd love is if in the new year, we could become people who make space and time in our lives to sit at the feet of Jesus. Not rushing around, panicking, trying to get everything done for Jesus. But make space and time to sit at the feet of Jesus. To make space and time to choose what is best over what is good. And that's the whole reason we've designed this new Bible reading plan for 2019. Is to help us apply these principles to our lives. And I'm going to talk about this uh, for a few minutes just before we wrap up but just for the next few moments I'm going to invite Richard to come up can you give Richard a hand Richard is one of the best when it comes to helping us apply uh, sort of big concepts to our lives so I've invited him just to come for 10 minutes and help us uh, give some legs to this thing so Richard over to you mate thank you Phil God, it's already done, dude. That's it. It's over. Uh, do you feel inspired? Yeah. You feel inspired to want to go and take 2019 and smash it by sitting at the feet of Jesus? Like, did you feel it? Do you know how to do it? I mean, there's only two keys to the whole thing, to be honest. Reading the Bible, praying. That's the key for us. Reading the Bible and praying. And I don't know about you, but when you begin to think about regular Bible reading, I don't know if it fills you with a little bit of dread. 
You may have taken Phil's 2018 Bible reading plan that he put together, let's do the Bible in a year, and thought this year is the year I am gonna smash the whole Bible in a year. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna read this whole thing, I'm gonna stick with it, and I'm not gonna give up. But maybe you're like me. By week two, you'll realize you're already about three months behind. You're not too sure how this has happened, but you look at the Bible reading plan and think, I'm three months behind. So what you do is you take time out of your life, you go on a silent retreat with no distractions for two weeks, and you think, I am going to catch up on the Bible reading plan. So when Phil sees me and says, hey, how's your Bible reading going? I can say, I am on it. I'm fully caught up. It is all good. But you realize at the end of the retreat, somehow now you're about 10 months behind on the Bible reading plan. And at this point, you're only about five weeks into the new year. So you think, sack it. I'm done. I can't do it. It's over. And what you do is spend the rest of the year trying to not make eye contact with Phil and just avoid him all the time. I mean, if you're anything like me, that may be the reality that's worked out um, for you. And what I think is interesting in it is, is that I for so long was struggling with this regular Bible reading pattern in my life until I had this moment of realization. And it was simply this, I am my habits. You are your habits. All the good and bad things you automatically and regular do kind of makes up who you are. And I thought if I could shift my habit on my Bible reading plan, this may open something up for me and help me actually achieve what I've set out to do at the start of a year. And so one of the things I get to do a lot at Sunny Hill is spend time with the staff, I'm busy doing staff training with them, and we talk a lot about habits and rhythms in our lives. And so for about the next eight minutes, I want to give you five principles that I think if you apply to your Bible reading and prayer life, it could help revolutionize your Bible reading and prayer life, but also help you go, 2019, this is gonna be the year that I will smash these things as I choose to sit at the feet of Jesus. So if you've got your notebooks, this is a great time to pull them out and to start making some notes. Not that you haven't been during Phil's thing, but definitely make more notes for me than Phil because that makes me feel good. Uh, And you may not be worried about that, but I'm just throwing it out there. So principle number one, you need to start to be honest with yourself about yourself. You need to start to be honest with yourself about yourself. Uh, The reality is, is I can say to you that I'm addicted to fitness. I wanna be as fit as I can. I love to diet. I will only ever eat healthy food. I am gonna choose a vegan lifestyle. All of it is a lie, even though I may want to, even though I may aspire to it, even though my wife may be pushing me towards that, the reality, if I'm brutally honest with myself, is that I love my food, I hate exercise, I love meat, and I would sacrifice every vegetable in the world for meat. I believe vegetables were created for cows to eat so we can eat the cows. (laughs) Whoop, whoop to that. No one in the house with that, all right. You you have to learn to be honest with yourself. I think so often we spend a huge amount of time lying to ourselves about ourselves. And then we get really discouraged when we can't achieve what we've set out to achieve because we were never really honest. This is gonna be really important. Principle one for setting a great habit of Bible reading and prayer in your life. Principle two, start to lower the bar. 
This is going to sound like, what What are you saying right now? But actually, I think sometimes our expectation is so far beyond the realistic level that we can achieve that we're always constantly giving up because we can't hit the expectation. We've become so idealistic in what we expect ourselves to do that we can never do it. And what we need to do at times is lower the bar and realize that Jesus actually isn't trying to make a yoke that's really heavy and a burden that cannot be carried, but really wants to create a yoke that's light, a burden that's easy. And so principle two is about us learning to lower the bar in certain areas of our lives. Everybody still with me? Great. Um, That was gonna be my segue to unlocking my phone and that did not work out. Principle three, once you've kind of lowered the bar and gone what's realistic, and I am gonna open these up soon, you need to then commit to do what's realistic and not just try to do what's idealistic. Uh, This will change everything for you. Start to commit to what's realistic for you and it's gonna help you as you begin to create good habits. And in principle four, always do the minimum. Always do what you've committed yourself to do. Never don't do the minimum. Always do it. And principle five will be review. You may be going, okay, how does this work? That's a lot of principles. I don't get it. I'm gonna help you hopefully see that. If you do have a piece of paper in front of you, if not, steal someone's next to you, draw a line on the piece of paper, put one on one end of the line and 10 on the other end of the line. One represents I am highly unlikely to do this. And 10 represents I will absolutely do this. I am really likely to do it. And what I'm gonna do is, is I'm gonna make a proposal to you and I want you to score yourself between one to 10 on how likely or unlikely you are to do it. One unlikely, 10 very likely. Everybody with me still? Excellent. This is important. Apply principle number one. Be honest. If we said to you, if Phil Stichan said, guys, I want you to commit to doing 30 minutes of Bible reading a day, where would you put yourself on the scale between one and 10? Now, you've got to be honest. You've got to think, okay, I've got small kids. They're not going to be sleeping through the night. My wife's going to expect me to do 93 chores every time that I get home. I have to repair my, I mean, you've got to be really honest with yourself. I hate waking up early. You need to become really honest with yourself and then rate yourself on the scale because you may look and go idealistically, 30 minutes, 100%, I can do that. In reality, maybe it's a six. I think I can kind of do 30 minutes. Here's the key then. Once you've rated yourself, if your number is below a nine, lower the bar, lower the bar. Maybe you can't do 30 minutes, how about 20 minutes? Remember principle one, be honest. Rate yourself again. Maybe 10 minutes, maybe seven minutes. I am convinced there was not a person in this room who would look and say, I cannot commit to doing at least two minutes a day of Bible reading. No matter how I feel, no matter what's going on, no matter how much time I've been awake for or had to sleep, 
no matter what the circumstance of my life, I know I can do two minutes. I know I can do it. It requires zero effort for me to have to do it. Don't feel bad and don't be scared to lower yourself down to the level that's realistic for you. It's really important because here's the thing I realized is if I can only do two minutes a day, two minutes a day over the course of a year cumulatively is going to have a greater impact in my life than 40 minutes for three days and then I give up and walk away from the whole thing. Two minutes a day is going to be better. And you shouldn't feel bad if it's only two minutes. Jesus isn't sitting with a stopwatch. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to spend time with you. So don't be scared if you go two minutes. I may look and go, I can realistically do seven minutes a day. That's what I can do. Because no matter what's going on, if worse comes to worse, I take my Bible, I go to the toilet, there's some insight into my life. And I can conquer seven minutes easy of Bible reading time. Whatever it is for you, land it and choose it. And then do principle three, which is commit to it. Commit to it. Go, I will do that now every day because actually it requires very little motivation at times for me to be able to achieve it. And once you're doing it, then make sure that you're doing it consistently every single day. Here's the fun part. Once you've committed yourself to that amount of time and you sit down and you start your Bible reading, if you can, don't stop. So I may go, I can do seven minutes a day. Realistically, I know I can handle it. I start reading and actually I'm going on to 10. I'm going on to 12. I'm going on to 15. Wow, I've done half an hour today. That's amazing. But you know what's great is when I wake up tomorrow, I need to do 10 minutes or seven minutes or two minutes. And so I can win every day in building this habit because some habits take a long time to form in your life. And Bible reading takes a long time. Not 21 days, not 64 days, not 10 days. It is a long time of you just repeating the process over and over again. And once you're doing it, take some time and begin to review because you may go, I started at seven, but now I can do 10. Commit to 10, commit to 10. And then you may go later on, I can actually do 15 now. Commit to 15. I'm convinced that if we can sort out our habit and build a better routine, we're going to smash it in 2019. Because whatever is realistic for you to commit to doing, if you do that every day consistently, spending time with Jesus, you're going to see a greater impact in your life than setting out for some idealistic thing that you give up halfway through. I'm gonna call Phil back up. He's gonna kind of bring this together. Hopefully you found that helpful. Yes. Thank you, Richard. Hopefully you did find that helpful. Sometimes it's good just to have some real practical, almost coaching, isn't it? Just how do I do this sort of thing? Because we've all got the desire, for sure. I know that much. We've all got the desire. Sometimes we just don't have the skill or the strategy to put it into place. So I'm just going to wrap this up. You should have received this on your way in. If you didn't, um, grab one on your way out. This is the One Thing Bible Plan. And this is uh, what we'd love you to engage with throughout 2019. We want to be a people who uh, read the Bible, love the Bible, study the Bible, listen to the Bible, obey the Bible, enjoy the Bible. We, we value the Bible so much. 
not just because it's some religious book for the rules, no, but because it's the Bible that reveals to us the living Lord Jesus Christ. It's the Bible that helps us cultivate a relationship with him. And so we want to be people that are reading and enjoying and chewing on the Bible regularly. And we did it last year and we tried to read through the whole thing in a year. And if you did, congratulations, well done. I didn't. I failed. I'm a, well, I didn't fail actually. No, I didn't do it. I didn't make it. Some of you did, well done. If you didn't, well done. If you only made it through three weeks of it, fantastic. It's better than zero weeks, right? Well done. We don't, we don't condemn for failure. We celebrate achievement, okay? And so if you only did three weeks, we celebrate three weeks. We don't despair over the 10 months that you missed, okay? So, so we read through the Bible in a year and we found that there was a lot to get through in a year. And sometimes in your haste to get through so much, you kind of stop listening a little bit, you know. I sometimes think that the Bible can be a little bit like Radio 4. Has anyone listened to Radio 4? Right? It's on, but no one really listens to it, right? It's just, it's just on in the background, right? I have it on in the car. It makes me feel grown up. I never listen to it. And sometimes the Bible can be a bit like that. It's like you're reading it, but you're not really listening. And actually... Reading the Bible is about listening. It's about sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to his voice. And so this year, we're going to read a lot less, but we're going to listen more carefully. We're going to read less. We're going to think more. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to read together through one book of the Bible each month. Some months it might be two books, two of the short books, but generally one book of the Bible each month. Some days you'll only be reading a paragraph. Some days it will be a chapter. Some days it might be two chapters, but it's... It's going to be less. And the reason we're, giving, we're, we're doing less is because we, we, we want to take time to really listen to what we're reading. We want to take time to listen to the voice of Jesus. And so grab one of these. In January, we're going to be reading through Mark together. There's a reading for each weekday. We're going to read through Mark together. There's a Facebook page that you're welcome to join. And on there, every day of the week, weekday, uh, there'll be reflections posted and resources and articles that will just help you engage uh, with Jesus through the scriptures. Grab one of these, engage with it. Mark in January, 1 Samuel in February, and Acts in March. I would love it if we could engage with this. I would love it if we could learn in 2019 to choose what is best. And like Mary, sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his voice and not get so preoccupied with just doing stuff for Jesus. I believe if we can do this, I believe next year when I say, hey, how Christ-like were you in 2019? You can say to me, Phil, I smashed it. I smashed it. I believe that as we do this, by the Spirit of God, we will be transformed into increasing Christ-likeness. Is that okay? Excited about that? Fantastic. Pick one up on your way out. Let me pray.